भद्रम कर्णेसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षीयजत्रा स्थिरंगगम सस्तनु व्यशेम देवितयदायु स्वस्तीन इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवा स्वस्तीन पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तीर्णस्ताक्षुरिष्टनेमी स्वस्तिनो बृहस्पतिर्दा शांतिशाति हरिओ May we hear with our ears what is auspicious. May we see with our eyes what is auspicious. While praying with steady limbs, may we attain the lifespan allotted to us. May Indra bestow well-being on us. May Pushan, the God of the Earth, who is all-knowing, bestow well-being on us. May Garuda, the Destroyer of Evil, bestow well-being on us. May Brihaspati also bestow well-being on us. ओम शांति 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 इन द लास्ट क्लास वी कंक्लूडेड द स्टडी ऑफ द फर्स्ट चैप्टर ऑफ द थर्ड पार्ट ऑफ मुंडकोपनिषद टुडे बिफोर प्रोसीडिंग टू द लास्ट चैप्टर द सेकंड चैप्टर ऑफ द थर्ड पार्ट ऑफ मुंडकोपनिषद विथ विच द मुंडकोपनिषद विल बी कंक्लूडेड before starting that we will have a short synopsis an overview of this entire chapter the first chapter of the third part of mundakopanishad and as an introduction we will try after having the synopsis if time permits we will uh, try to just have a discussion on the first mantra very first mantra of the second chapter of the third part of mundakopanishad so the first chapter of mundakopanishad begins with the idea that the individual soul is separated from the brahman from absolute reality from brahman because of ignorance the individual soul in essence is one with brahman because of ignorance because of agyana he thinks himself to be separate from brahman and that entails all the suffering the suffering is the result of this erroneous idea that it is entirely helpless and dependent on matter that i am an individual i am apart from the universe as brahman i am one with the universe as an individual i am apart from the universe and as i am apart from the universe i have lot of insufficiencies and to get rid of all my limitations i have to grab from the material world in the form of putreshana vitteshana yashayana all these ashana speaks of trying to acquire something from this material world and this dependence on this material world because of our erroneous idea that i am a limited self results in all the suffering and then what's the goal of life through the knowledge of my oneness with the brahman 
with absolute reality, all the phenomenal existence becomes something apparent to me. I become the witness of it. I get identified with that absolute reality. And I discover the innate goodness, the innate fulfillment, which is already in me. It was because of ignorance, I was dreaming all those nightmares, the long nightmare in the form of cycles of life and death was going on, but it was merely a dream. My innate purity, my innate greatness, my innate self-sufficiency was always there. Just the way when we go to sleep and we have nightmares, we wake up from our dream and then we realize that as such no change has happened to me. I am the same person who was before the sleep, before I went to sleep, it is the same person. All the things which I was seeing was mere nightmare. They were not, they have in no way affected the real me. So similarly, this Jagrat Avastha, this wakeful state itself is a long dream in the spiritual sense. And that we come out from the dream because when we get that knowledge of our oneness with Brahman, and then all this panorama has no meaning for me. It just falls off just the way the nightmare, the dream falls off when we are awake. So that's the idea which will be with which the Mundaka Upanishad starts. The third, first chapter of the third part of the Mundaka Upanishad starts. It's in the form of an allegory of two birds. What it says? Dwa Suparna, the first mantra of the first chapter of third part of Mundaka Upanishad. Dwa Suparna Sayuja Sakhaya Samanang Brikshang Parishashvajate Tayoha Anyaha Pippalam Swadu Atti Anashnam Anyaha Abhichakashiti Abhichakashiti. So there are two birds. They're always united, Sayuja. Sakaya. Why they are united? In spiritual sense, one is just a mere reflection of the other. They are not a separate identity. One is just a projection, a reflection of the other. So they are always united. Just the way you can never be apart from your shadow. You and your shadow always have to be together. Similarly, these two birds, one the real, another its reflection, can never be separated. They're always united. Sayuja, Sakaya. Saman and Brikshan, the same tree. They're residing in the same tree. They're closely cling to the same tree. The same tree of life, of this human personality. This, our persona, has these two aspects. The eternal witness is always there, sitting silently, witnessing the thing. The Jivatma, it gets identified with the happenings of life and it thinks that it is suffering. But the witness is always there. And this Jivatma is nothing but the reflection of the witness self. So Samanang Brikshan, Parishashvajate, both are residing in the same tree, closely cling to each other. Of this Tayo Anya Pippala Swadu Atti. So this sweet fruit, so one of them is constantly testing the fruits of the tree of life. Anashnan Anya Abhichakashiti. 
Anashtan means without eating. The other bird, which is the witness, he is not eating the fruits of the tree. He is just simply abhichakashiti. He is just witnessing, just looking. And then what it says in the second mantra? Samane brikshe purusho nimagno anishaya shochati muihamanaha jushtang yada pashyati anyamisham asya mahimanam iti vita shokaha. So Samane Brikshe Purusho Nimagno. Purusho here means the individual soul. The soul which in association with the body-mind complex thinks itself as a limited being. So that's the Purusha. He remains drowned, Nimagno. As it were, he's drowned. Nimagno means to be drowned. He's drowned in this phenomenal existence, in this tree, and so it moons. That's why it is Shochati. This idea of drowning is very nicely explained. If even in other traditions, the legend of the story of the Narcissus, we mentioned so many times, that from the Greek legendary character Narcissus, the word narcissistic has come. The one who is extremely self-possessed, we call them narcissistic. That how that word came, that Narcissus was a person, was a prince, extremely handsome. He was the prince, he was the crown prince, he was extremely handsome, but he was not interested in any of his responsibilities. He was so possessed by his own beauty that he, he forsook all his responsibilities. Whenever he had time, he will go into the deep forest in his kingdom, where there was a huge reservoir. He will just stand by the side of the reservoir. He will stand on the shore, on the bank of the reservoir. And that reservoir's water was transparently clean. And it was always calm. The waters had no ripples. So he took it as a mirror. And he used to always see his own reflection being infatuated by his own beauty, will spend hours looking at his own reflection. That's, that speaks of the self-possessed person, not bothered about anything in the world. And one day it so happened, it took its own reflection to be real. It fell in love with its own reflection, took it to be something apart from him as if, and he jumped to embrace it. It tried to embrace it and he fell on the water, drowned and died. So that's the story of Narcissus. So in spiritual sense, we are all Narcissus. We forgot our real nature, that I am Brahman. The word Brahman came from Brihdhatu, which means Brihat, which is beyond all limitations in time, space, causation, and nothing can limit it. It got reflected in the reservoir, call this body-mind complex. And seeing its own reflection, it is infatuated. And it has dived into it, Nimagno, it has dived, it has got drowned there. And it's when it gets, it, drown, it gets things as limited, what happens? It forgets its real nature, that he is the Lord, Isha, 
The word Isha means the one who is the Lord is the Isha. From Ishdhatu to rule. The word Isha came Ishwara means the one who is the ruler. From Ishdhatu to rule. So he, the one who is actually the Lord of the entire existence, he alone exists. No one is there to subdue him. Only the question of subordination, subjugation comes. When there are two, then only the question of exploitation comes. One can exploit other. When there are two, when I am alone, who can exploit me? Of of whom I am afraid of? I alone and the entire universe. So the ultimate reality, which alone exists by its own right, when it gets reflected in this psychophysical existence and thinks itself to be that limited being, being drowned in it, it becomes Anisha. It's not actually Anisha. It thinks itself as he has lost all its power. And that's why he is, he cannot find that the world is full of challenges. And he has fallen into the trap of inescapable trauma. He's And he finds himself to be helpless. He has learned that he is helpless. Actually, he's not helpless. It is learned helplessness. From that inescapable trauma, it has conditioned him to that helpless situation of helplessness. And that's why he's muihamana. He's constantly moaning. And then what happens? He, what he's doing, he's testing, as in the previous mantra he was mentioned, he's testing the fruits. Swami Vivekananda, uh, while writing, while uh, describing this mantra, very nicely he says that this, the bird, the jivatma, it is testing the fruits of the tree of life. Now and then he tests, uh, tests the sweet fruit and it is joyous, happy, ecstatic. And then suddenly a bitter fruit is totally dejected. That's how he's constantly being carried away by the polarities of life in the form of happiness and dejection. And suddenly he tastes a very bitter fruit. And that speaks of that the tremendous dejection, that vishada. You'll find all the scripture starts with that Vishada Yoga, not only Bhagavad Gita. The first chapter of Bhagavad Gita is Vishada Yoga. You study Bhagavatam. It's again that Vishada. It is Raja Parikshit who, going to the forest, was cursed. I won't go to the story that he will be going to the die within a week. It is from that Vishada, the spiritual inquiry dawned in him. If the world would have given us all, why should have we thought of transcending it. It is bound to end up in Vishada, the one who is going headlong in search of happiness in this world is bound to end up in Vishada. And then we try to look up. We try to find out the other dimension of our existence. As we say again and again that in our life, as long as we are trying to find all the solutions of life in the sunset plane of existence, we can never find. As that example, which we give again and again, that if you try to draw exactly four triangles by joining four points, you can never draw if you are putting the four points in a paper. Never. Never you can exactly draw four 
triangles. Somewhere the two lines will intersect to create the fifth point. What's the way out? You have to put three points in the paper and one in the space. Now we imagine you draw lines, you get a triangular pyramid. So how the, where the, where the solution is? In another dimension. Unless you relate to that dimension, you can never find the answer. Similarly, in our life, that we are become anisha, we lose our lordship because we're trying to find out all the solutions of all the problems of life in this sense of existence. It can never give us. We will find we have ended up in the blind alley with all our progress. Or in the words of Swamiji, with all our progress, we find we are at the end of a precipice. One more step, you just fall in the deep gorge. The world can never give you answer. Then what's the way out? You have to relate to that another dimension. You have to look up to relate to your spiritual dimension of your existence. That's being spoken of here. That jushtang yada pashyati anyamisham. The other bird, which is just the witness. It's not testing the sweet and the bitter fruits of life. Just witnessing, calmly sitting there with all its glory, asya mahimanam, with all its glory, with all its lordship, it is sitting there with full equanimity, in tranquility. The lower bird, out of vishada, when he suffers intensely, looks up, relates to his spiritual dimension, realizes his ident- realizes his association with it, and then he becomes vita shoka. All the causes of misery, dejection, they start falling off. It's not that they, the, all the phenomenal existence proves to be favorable to him. The world remains as it is. He has transcended that. They become something, a matter of virtual reality. They are just a flow. It in no way affects the essence of his being, the real person, the real me, it's never affected by that. And that's how he becomes free from grief. And that's the thing which Swami Vivekananda, again, I will just read out that wonderful way Swami Vivekananda is commenting on these two mantras. It's a free commentary. He never quoted these mantras, but these two mantras were in his mind when he was giving lecture in America. So I will read out that portion, whatever nice way he's interpreting. Two birds of beautiful plumage, inseparable companions, sat upon the same tree, one on the top and one below. The beautiful bird below was eating the fruits of the tree, sweet and bitter. One moment a sweet, one and another a bitter. The moment he ate a bitter fruit, he was sorry. But after a while, he ate another. And when it too was bitter, he looked up and saw the other bird who ate neither the sweet nor the bitter, but was calm and majestic, immersed in his own glory. And then the poor lower bird forgot and went on eating the sweet and bitter fruits again, until at last he ate one that was extremely bitter. And then he stopped again and once more looked up at the glorious bird above. Then he came nearer and nearer to the other bird. And when he had come near enough, this is the explanation which Swami Vivekananda is giving is not even that vividly mentioned in the Upanishads. 
This is Swami Vivekananda's Vivekananda's vivid visualization, which makes the mantra more powerful. What he's saying, he came near enough, rays of light shone upon him and enveloped him. And he saw that he was transformed into the higher bird. He became calm, majestic, free, and found there had, there had been but one bird all the time on the tree. The lower bird was but the reflection of one above. So we are in reality one with the Lord, but the reflection makes us seem many. As when the one sun reflects in a million dewdrops and sims a million tiny suns, the reflection must vanish if we are to identify ourselves with a real nature, which is divine. The universe itself can never be the limit of our satisfaction. What a wonderful way this Swamiji just brings out the real meaning of these two mantras. So this idea, which has been spoken of in these two mantras, will be reiterated, will be again said in the next mantra, just to stress the importance of this idea of transcending this limited self, so that we can transcend all the sufferings in life. So to highlight this idea, again, in the third mantra, the same idea is being reiterated, again being spoken of. Yada pashya pashyate rukmavarnam kartaram isham purusham brahmayonim tada vidwan punya pape vidhuya niranjana paramam samyam upaiti. So when Yada, the seer, what he does, beholds the golden hued creator. Why golden hued? To speak of the self luminosity of the ultimate self. Just the hue of the gold is as if its own. It is not borrowed from anything else. So similarly, it's an allegory. We shouldn't take it in a literal way that the self-luminous self is like that golden complexioned one, which doesn't have to, which in no way hires its luminosity from something else. It is the ultimate subject. So that it can never be illumined by something else. So that's the one, the Rukmavarnam Kartaram. He is the Karta. He is the one who is the creator. He is the one who is the ultimate reality. So, so Yada Pashya Pashyate Rukmavarnam Kartaram. So when this lower bird, the Purusha, the individual self, Pashyate, looks at that self-luminous bird, the Karta, the ultimate doer, the ultimate cause of this entire existence. He is the Isham. He is the Brahma. And what is that? The Brahma Yonim. So he is the one who is the progenitor of Brahma. So these are the uh, technical terms. Brahma Yoni means when that the way we think that the creation came first, the world of matter, this matter somehow conglomerated and accidentally consciousness evolved from matter. That's the very shallow way of understanding with, the, with our so-called apparent science. Even in science, there's a big question if we really try to find out that what's the reality to say that consciousness is an epiphenomenon, is a product of the phenomenon called the universe. 
the science also is a big question mark they can never say definitely that's the thing truth in quantum science that's the thing which is still puzzling them so here upanishad beyond any confusion say saying boldly it's just the opposite it's what we think that consciousness is a byproduct of the conglomeration of matter is just the opposite the material world the matter of which we see is not there as such it that is epiphenomenon it is a consciousness which is finding expression as the world and how it finds expression there is a gradual gradual process of evolution the consciousness first find expression as the cosmic mind and the entire universe is as if been drawn like a blueprint in the mind of the cosmic mind in the cosmic mind there's a blueprint of the entire creation is there which is being projected this blueprint is being projected as this virata as this universe as this tangibly felt universe so it is a consciousness through the cosmic mind finding expression as the universe so that's why brahma yoni means that that the ultimate reality which is beyond the cosmic mind brahma which is the progenitor of brahma which is the yoni of brahma means from where brahma the cosmic mind has emanated so he that mind the real me is the one who is even transcends brahma the idea of ishvara in all the religion is up to that brahma is the one who is a creator in vedanta that's the wonderful we find that's why uh, the schopenhauer is to say that reading upanishads studying upanishad is just like climbing the everest when you go there it thrills you you are in the top of the universe but the air is so rarefied there the air is so rarefied the oxygen is so less that you cannot you start feeling suffocated you cannot stay there you have to come down so upanishad takes you to that height you feel as if it is suffocating as per your individual existence is concerned if you are too much identified with this individual existence it makes you as if suffocate you cannot stay in that state because it is saying it is brahma yoni it is transcending the mind it takes you beyond the mind so that's your the reality and the idea that you are this individual self is just a product of the ignorance so tada vidwan the one who has realized it's not just intellectual knowledge the one who has realized all knowledge comes from realization without realization there cannot be any knowledge conceptual knowledge is no knowledge at all the concept has to be realized as we say the one who have not tested the mango he can never know the test of mango how many books he may read about the test of mango knowledge is realization so here vidwan speaks of that realization through his spiritual practices when he transcends the mind he goes beyond the mind when the mind becomes totally calm the mind cannot exist when you can go when you go beyond thoughts so it is the, to go beyond the thoughts can only can take you to that reality mind is equated with thoughts when there is no thoughts there is no mind in the very second sutra of yoga sutra speaks of that yoga chitta vritti nirodha and you may think that vritti means the thought waves but actually the word vritti is a very interesting word vritti means profession it doesn't mean 
waves in sanskrit the word vritti means profession how nicely that sutra has been spoken of what it speaks chitta vritti the profession of the chitta what is the profession of the chitta the thoughts these thought waves without these thought waves the chitta cannot stay why what it means actually like my vritti sustains me if i am a doctor my profession sustains me if i am an engineer my profession sustains me if i am a businessman my profession sustains me similarly mind's profession is a thought when you can go beyond these thoughts when the mind is totally tranquil the real the real nature of the reality reveals that's the real function of the mind that as our mind is polluted so it's not revealing the real self the mind in its innate purity when it is pure it is tranquil it is having no thoughts it is having no desires it is by its nature in by its innate nature is to reflect the pure self so that's the state which has been spoken of as the word vidwan tada vidwan punya pape vidhuya he shakes off both good and evil washes off vidhuya means to wash off punya pape not only pape punya and pape you may say what that means we have to go beyond punya yes punya as such has no ultimate spiritual value it helps us to transcend the pape but at last it also has to be transcended as sri ramakrishna very nicely used to give an example suppose you are passing through a forest and a thorn pierces you what you do you just pluck another thorn of the same thorny bush and use this second thorn to pluck out the thorn which has pierced you and once you have plucked it out you throw away both the thorns so the first thorn which has pierced is the pape the second thorn which you are using to remove the first thorn which has pierced you is the punya and once this pape has been removed you throw the punya also that also is a thorn it has no use as buddha used to say that he is a fool who carries the raft in his shoulder after crossing the river no one carries the raft on his shoulder so this punya is the raft with which we get rid of the pape at last both has to be got rid off you wash off both and then you reach the state of niranjana this words are so wonderful sublime anjana means taint that's the state which is taintless niranjana and that's the state of taintlessness with the paramam the absolute state where it is totally samya it is equanimity where all the this the desires the polarities of life the dualities of life the uh, disturbance in the form of turbulence of your mind they all have vanished you have reached the state of equanimity you have reached the supreme reality just by seeing at your reality just by relating to the spiritual dimension of your reality seeing is that be, this that in spiritual life that knowing is becoming the moment you know yourself you become that so that's the idea which has been spoken of here just when you know what you are you become that so the next mantra what it says the knower of brahman is described in the next mantra so after saying that that who is the knower of brahman prana hi esha sarva bhutair vibhati 
विजानन विद्वान भवते न अतिवादी आत्मक्रीड आत्मरति क्रीडावान ईश ब्रह्म वरिष्ठ प्राणो ही द सेम वाइटल फोर्स वर्ड प्राण इन संस्कृत द सेम वर्ड इज यूज्ड विथ हैज डिफरेंट मीनिंग एज पर द रेफरेंस विथ एडवाइस पर द सरकमस्टेंस इट इज बीइंग यूज्ड या द वाइटल फोर्स इज एक्चुअली स्पीकिंग ऑफ द अल्टीमेट सोर्स ऑफ ऑल वाइटलिटी आत्मन इज द सोर्स ऑफ ऑल थॉट्स as well as the brahman is the source of all thoughts as well as the source of all actions just this thing that sitting here the rover which is on the mars moving around how it is moving around what it is doing it is sending us the data the photo the pictures the data that those are the information and at the same time it is moving around how it is moving around its remote is here in the earth from the earth the remote is there which is, is allowing it to move around as well as to send us information so in the previous mantra it was mentioned that his brahma yoni he is something who is the progenitor of thoughts here it is saying he is not only the progenitor of thoughts he is a progenitor of all vitality of all shakti of all energy so that's the that's the prana the source of all vitality he is residing as the vital energy in each and every being the one who has realized that prana esha sarvabhutair vibhati vijanan this one who has realized that vidwan bhavate natiwadi this word is very important atiwada so when this vijanan means what not conceptual knowledge one who has realized who has Just through his equanimity of mind, when when the when the mind becomes equanimous, what happens? The mind is like a prism. When you keep the, when the white light is in the vicinity of the prism, it breaks into the spectrum of seven colors. Remove the prism, all the spectrum merges in the white light. They are not separate. It looks separate because of the prism. Remove the prism. So the mind, this active mind. which is breaking into thought is like the prism the equanimous mind is like the prism being removed and then you find that the prana is the source that ultimate vitality comes from that brahman which has all merged in him so one who has gone to that equanimous state of mind where the prism has fallen off and he has realized vijanan speaks of that realization he becomes vidwan bhavate na ativadi for us we have read the scriptures and we say oh we are that ultimate absolute reality it's not a realization so our words transcends our realization what i am speaking is transcending my realization i have not realized so that is called ativada i am speaking something which i have not realized that sri ramakrishna very uh, in a very jokingly says that the child have heard have learned the word god's promise how he has learned he saw when his parents were quarreling among themselves just to prove one's point that i am not speaking the untruth i am speaking the truth they use the word god's promise hearing that the children when they fight among themselves they also start using what god's promise 
neither the parent nor the child what to speak of god's promise they know they know nothing of god but they just use the word using the word without realizing what it means so that is ativada if i give a lecture on the test of mango by hearing someone else speaking about the test of mango but i have not tested it it is all ativada so here is this word very very interesting this word ativada is that one who has vijanan but when we the sanskrit when uh, they were use a word to clarify that it doesn't allow us to have any gap in understanding when it says vijanan immediately we may think oh reading the upanishad i also know that that knowing is not the real knowledge the real knowledge is realization so vijanan means realization then only you can be nativadi your speech will never transcend your realization you're speaking from your realization then what happens and nothing can break your conviction whatever may be the situation of life in all the situations of life whatever may be the crisis and nothing can take away your conviction you maintain your equanimity you maintain your contemplation even in the world of action because you have realized the truth and that's been spoken of that what are the traits of such a person he becomes atma krida atma rati kridavan these three words are very very significant sometimes we think they mean same they doesn't mean same the word krida means when you are enjoying by being by in a game which en- which entails that you should have some companion there should be other playmates so cricket football all these are krida because you cannot play football alone you need so many players so krida means when there are others rati means when no one is there you are enjoying yourself sitting that you are suddenly there you recollect your past life some nice golden moments and you are enjoying within yourself that is rati so this is the difference between krida and rati so the enjoyment which comes in association with others is krida enjoyment which comes by self absorption is rati so now these words are very important atma krida the one who is playing with the atman means what when he is dealing with the external world when in his day to day life he doesn't see a b c d as different person he sees the self and self alone in each and every being and he deals with the self alone not with a mr a mr b and mr c he is dealing with the self and self alone that speaks of atma krida so when he is interacting with the world he is absorbed in the self he is still worshiping his worship is 24 by 7 there is no watertight compartment between his spiritual life and secular life that when i am meditating then i am one with brahman and when i am not meditating the world has totally disturbed me it's not the truth for him he has realized the self he sees the world of virtuality and never gets in any way deluded by it he sees the self even in his activities with reeling with the world that's fixes atma krida and when he's with himself then also nothing can distract him he is dwelling in the self alone atma rati so atma krida when he's dealing with the world when he's deep in his meditation again he's for us the atma is never there when i am trying to meditate the, the world comes into the picture thousands of thoughts of the world 
though i am sitting for meditation with my closed eyes my mind is wandering in the world alone so it never becomes atmarati and when i am of course dealing with the world the self question of self never comes so it is can never be atmakrida and then the third word is krida van it speaks of the skill he has developed that this atmakrida atmarati for us is a practice that when i am dealing with the world i try to see the self in others again and again i fail again i try when i am meditating i am try to be absorbed in the self i get distracted again i try but the one who has realized his krida one is extremely skillful in his game nothing can deviate him from his realization not a single moment his realization has made his life spontaneous the goodness has become spontaneous as in the yoga sutra they speak when you go to the realization you are filled with ritambhara pragya ritam means truth bhara means full of pragya pragya is full of truth so here you have realized the truth there is no question of deviating from the truth just as long as you have not experienced what mirage is you are thirsty you may be drawn by that mirage thinking that reservoir is there once you have realized you may again see that huge body of water but it cannot drag you so there is no question of being deviated so the one who is atmakrida atmrati is also kridavan he has become adept as sri ramakrishna used to say the one who is an adept dancer the one who is an adept dancer skillful dancer his step never falls out of rhythm is not adept his dance the rhythm to fall, his steps falls in this uh, rhythm spontaneously so similarly the krida one means of that spontaneity so atma krida atmarati krida one when he is dealing with the world he is seeing the atman in each and every being and for that there is no question of practice it has become spontaneous atmarati when he is with himself he is absorbed in the self there is no question of practice it has become spontaneous when such is the situation you find in anyone that's the spontaneity has ensued in his spiritual life he sees the brahman and brahman alone in all the situations of life know him to be brahma vidam varishtha he is the chief among the knowers of brahman others are paramparavid following the parampara tradition they are trying to get established in that they are also exalted beings but they are not brahmavit they are paramparavit knowing the parampara the tradition they are practicing they are still practicing but such a person whom whom that spontaneity has ensured he is a real brahmavit that's why in this mantra it has been spoken of that he is brahmavidam varishtha the chief among the knowers of brahman so then what's the way to achieve that goal satyena labhya the fifth mantra by practicing truth tapasahi esha atma by tapas tapas here doesn't speak all those meaningless austerity like standing in one foot to keep the mind always in the thought of brahman is the tapas real tapas the mind is deviating again and again you bring back the state of spontaneity in the brahmavit that when i am practicing that becomes tapasya what is spontaneous in a realized soul when i try to imitate that becomes tapas for me 
So this one who is constantly doing that tapas, one who is established in truth, satyena labhya, tapasahi esha atma, samyagyanena. Samyagyana, again, it speaks of the practice of what the atma kriya's practice is samyagyana. That if Brahman is the absolute reality which, from which the entire universe has projected, then in each and every dealing of my life, I have to be aware of that fact that I am dealing with Brahman and Brahman alone. That speaks of Samyak Jnana. For us, the Jnana is not Samyak. Why? It doesn't pervade the entirety of my life. That when I am closing my eyes, sitting in the shrine, in front of the deity, I think I am in communion with the divine, not at other time. So that cannot be the Samyak Jnana. The Samyak Jnana speaks of that when I am meditating, Yes, I'm communing with the divine. When I'm interacting with the world, still I'm communing with the divine. So that type of knowledge, when you're practicing, that speaks of the Samyajnana and Brahmacharya. So these are the practices. What the Brahmacharya speaks of? Generally, we translate it as chastity, which speaks of subjugation, that I have to force myself that so that I, my senses are not drawn outward to the world of this sensory experience. But the word Brahmacharya itself will speak of its real meaning. Brahme charati brahmachari. The one who is incessantly thinking of Brahman, how can his mind get chance to speak of anything else? So it doesn't speak of subjugation. It speaks of sublimation. You don't force yourself to keep your mind control. You think of something sublime so that automatically the other thought falls off. Even in the modern psychology, that's the thing which they say, that if you find anyone is addicted, anyone is obsessed, try to develop some good habits, try to develop some good hobby, some good occupations, so that your mind gets engaged in that, the other thing naturally falls off. Here, they're speaking of keeping the mind engaged in that ultimate reality, Brahmhe Charati, constantly think of Brahman. So these are the practices, be established in the truth, do tapas, constantly try to think of the truth. Samyak jnana, that in whatever stage, stage of life you may be, circumstance of life you may be, never be forgetful about the ultimate uh, reality, which is within you, which is everywhere. And constantly you are contemplating Brahman. So these are the different words, but actually speaking the same thing. From the various perspective, it is speaking of the same thing. So the more and more you're constantly trying to delve in your real nature. Then what happens? Then it no more remains just a conceptual knowledge. It becomes realization. What's the realization? Antashariri. Within you. Jyotir Maya Hi Shubra. The resplendent Shubra. The one which is beyond all impurities. It's pure. Yeah, Pashyanti. These words are so poignant. It is just speaks, just hits the just the target. Pashyanti. No more belief. He sees. How he sees? Yataya Kshina Dosha. When through this repeated practice of keeping your mind in Brahman, which automatically speaks of getting rid of all the distractions of life, which speaks of complete knowledge which speaks of tapas, with all this, all the turgidities are, gets dissolved. Your mind becomes pure, 
free from all tragedies. That speaks of the Kshina dosha. All the dosha has fallen off. And once the dosha has fallen off, the mind's by inherent nature is to reflect that Brahman. When the mirror is having distortions, you can never see the exact reflection. The reflection also gets distorted. If you can make the mirror clean and if you can get rid of all the distortions in the mirror, the reflection will be perfect. You can see the person as it is. That's the thing is being spoken of here. The mind is like that mirror. Get rid of the turgidity and get rid of all the fluctuations. What, what uh, Im- makes the water impure? The turgidity, all the impurities and the disturbance in the form of waves. So get rid of that waves of the thoughts and all the samskaras, which speaks of the turgidity. When you get rid of, then the clean mind gets in which the self gets reflected. So when someone used to say Ramakrishna, reading the scriptures, that Brahman is avang manasagocharam, avak manasagocharam, it is beyond speech, beyond mind. Ramakrishna immediately is to negate by saying, no, no, shuddhaman, shuddhabuddhir gochar. It is something which can be realized through the pure mind. And that's been spoken of here. Purify your mind. When the mind gets purified in that pure mind, shuddhaman, shuddhaatma, ak. It is a mind, it is an atman which is finding expression as the mind. When you get re- and what is mind? It is just the turgy, it is just the waves, thought waves. Mind is equal to thought waves. Get rid of those thought waves, the mind is no more there. Where it has went, it has merged with the self. So this Suddhaman, Shuddha Atma Ak, they're same. So when you when you can purify your mind, immediately you get one with the self because you become Kshina Dosha. The next mantra stresses among all these practices the satya. Satya meva jayate na anritam. Satyena pantha vitata deva yanaha. Yena akramanti rishaya hi apta kama. Yatra tat satyasya paramam nidhanam. See, in our scriptures, they speak of two types of mukti. One is atyantika mukti, another is krama mukti. Krama mukti means gradually liberated. You go after death to some higher plane of existence from where you are never gravitated back to this physical plane of existence. There you continue with your contemplation to be liberated ultimately. And here this mantra is speaking that suppose you are, have not heard of this any of this truth spoken of in the Upanishads. But in your life you made it a point that I will never deviate from truth, satya that itself can lead, it may not lead to Atyantika Mukti, but it will lead to the Krama Mukti. You follow the path of Devayana. So what actually speaking of that practicing truth that Sri Ramakrishna used to say that in this Kali Yuga, Satya is the biggest tapas. The one, his Ramakrishna's words are so simple. The one who is established in truth is as if lying in the lap of God, is sleeping in the lap of God, is sitting in the lap of God. Why is saying so? Suppose I know nothing of the spiritual idea, but if I am always established in truth, it speaks of getting rid of your selfishness, that I never compromise with the truth. It is our fear. Just we always want to be secured with our limited individuality. That makes us to compromise with the truth. 
why our conscience gets crooked just the way the river gets crooked why it gets crooked when the river is flowing down from the mountains when it comes to the plain you will find it starts getting the curvatures why it gets curvature when it is flowing down the moment it finds a rocky terrain it the water immediately has a tendency to go towards the soft soil and that's how it is getting the curvature our consciousness also gets all the crookedness because of our fear as a small child you ask he never says that i don't want to be good everyone wants to be good but what makes us compromise with the truth or fear in this yuga where we find in kali yuga satya yuga satya kali yuga tapasya sri ramakrishna used to say in this present age where you find that untruthfulness prevails to practice truthfulness itself is a big tapas and how it helps you will find that how our ego can immediately drop off because of our love for something the way you will find the mother's love for the child when the child is in danger the mother can immediately forsake her even life and she can forsake her life to save the child what to speak of human being even animals in animals you will find the fact is the same fact the one who holds to an ideal to the truth just the way the mother holds on to the child what happens for the sake of truth he can even forsake his life he can uh, he or she can uh, go through all sorts of challenges all sorts of uh, what you say persecutions that speaks of what relinquishing the ego is the ego is the only cause of our bondage when when anyone is to ask ramakrishna that when shall i be free his answer is to be when i cease to be so whether it is through practice of meditation or by holding on to the truth if you can get rid of the i it immediately speaks of the transcendence of your limited individuality and that's been spoken of here that forget about all other spiritual practices which has been spoken of in the previous mantra if you just hold on to the truth and truth alone if not it gives you atyantika mukti through the path of devayana you go to the higher plane of brahmaloka where you are always in the contemplation of your absolute reality of the of your identification with the brahman as you are absorbed in that all the bodily feelings are the cause of our reincarnation it is our hunger our thirst our need to procreate these are the things which is not possible without body so these are the desires which begin gravitate us down to this physical existence the one who is has gone beyond the ego just by practicing satya his mind naturally dives to the sublime experiences and remains contemplated there because all these so called limited things is no more there to gravitate him down and so he can continue in his contemplation in that higher realms of existence to ultimately dive to get merged in that absolute reality so that's been spoken of in the sixth mantra giving importance to the practice of satya that just by practicing satya we can uh, get rid of our limited psychophysical existence so after saying that it speaks of that highest truth attainable what is that highest truth that after speaking that you attain that highest truth what is the highest truth brihat chatat divyam it is beyond all locality at present if i close my eyes if my 
close my ears, if I stop all the five senses, and if I stop all my thoughts, still I will continue with one thought. I am, I am, unceasingly it is going on. And that amnes is localized. It is somewhere, I know I'm sitting somewhere, though I am not perceiving anything. When you go to that realization, what's the indication? That amnes is still there. It's not that, it's like anesthesia, you have no sense. Amnes is there, but that amnes has lost its locality. To give an idea that suppose on a weekend, after the after, after the lunch, generally when you are on the working days, the lunch is very light and that you still continue with your work in your office. On the weekend, as there is, you are relaxing, you have a heavy lunch and then you have a nice siesta. That's not the normal hours when you sleep. You will find it happens, so happens and when you wake up, you forget what's the time. Sometimes it happens that as per your habit in the morning, you, the moment you wake up, you just... Uh, just apply the paste on your toothbrush and go for brushing. So you will find sometimes it so happens that you are totally confused. After the siesta in the afternoon, you got up, you just went for brushing. Or sometimes it may so happen that you, when you are sleeping in your bed, you every day get up from the left side. And now you change the position of your bed. So such that your left side is on the wall. So you have to get up from the right. So as per your habit, you may go and clash, you will just collide with the wall because that's your habit. So what it speaks of, your amnesty is there, but when you just woken up, you are as if transcending time, space, causation. You are not aware of the time, you are not aware of the space, the left, right. So just to give an idea that amnesty without locality. So it's the thing which is uninterrupted. You, you get established when your mind becomes prasada, all the tranquility falls off. You even lose that locality. You transcend that locality. You go beyond that time-space causation, getting established with that amnes, which gives you the inkling of the essence of the reality of the entire universe. You get one with that. So that's the brihat, which is non-local. The same amnes, which loses its locality, it becomes non-local. That's the brihat. That's the brahman. And that's divyam. Why is divyam? Because it is the ultimate subject. Everything else is can be objectified. That cannot be objectified because it's the ultimate subject. That is achintya rupam. It is beyond chinta, beyond thoughts. Shukshmatsya sukshmataran. The mind says sukshma compared to the senses. The external world I see through the senses. So the senses are sukshma compared to the world. And again, the senses are more uh, compared to the senses. The mind is sukshma. Because through the mind, the senses work. Beyond the mind, that is Shukshmatara. Just in the full moon night, when I am seeing the earth to be illumined by the moon, I may think it is the moon which is illuminating the earth, but actually it is the sun which is illuminating the moon, which is not visible. In turn, the moon is illuminating the earth. Similarly, the mind appears to be divya, but it is not divya. It is being illumined by the real, by the self. It appears to be illumined by the self. In turn, the mind is illuminating the senses and the senses in turn is illuminating the world. So that is the idea of shukshma is that. The self is the one which is a subtler than the subtlest, even subtler than the mind. It is beyond the mind. Durat sudure. 
And though it is one who within the core of my heart, the self resides to get reflected through the mind to be projected as the world. And once it gets projected through the mind, the same self can traverse anywhere. The last galaxy which you see with your mind, you can go even beyond that. The same self which is in the core of my being, which is sukshma, which is beyond the mind, through the mind, it can go to any extent. So durat sudure, tat iha antikecha, the one who resides in me through the mind, it percolates the entire universe. So it is far, it is near. Pashyatsu iha eva nihitam guhayam. So by the tranquility of the mind, you have attained that who can be seen in the core of your being. You may again say that it is contradictory. You say that the self is everywhere. Then how can you just restrict him to the cave of your heart? To just to simply say that, that light is everywhere, but to see it, I need, need my eyes. The non-local light is perceived through the local eyes. The non-local sound is perceived through my ears. Similarly, in this human body, the, pro, the way of perceiving the self, of seeing the self, is purifying the mind. When you purify the mind, the door of the heart as if opens, it is always closed. To reveal the self there, it is everywhere. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, Bhaktir Ridoy Bhagavanir Vaitakana. Very interesting, very simple way of saying the truth. That the heart of a devotee is God's living room. What it means? That in your house, you have access to each and every place. You can go to the kitchen, you can go to your bedroom, you can come to your living room, you can go to the, uh, what you say, the pergola, you can go to the lawn, anywhere. But when some guest comes, you will be sitting in your living room, in your living room to sp- spend some time with him, to interact with him. So similarly, God, Bhagavan, Sri Ramakrishna, who nicely is saying, it just reflects the Upanishad, the truth. Bhakti Ridoy Bhagavan, Vaitakkhana. Very nice that the heart of the devotee is God's living room. He's everywhere. But he meets the aspirant in the heart. That's the place. Just as we told, that light is everywhere. To see it, we need the eyes. Sound is everywhere. To hear it, we need the ears. Similarly, the Atman, which is all-pervading, is perceived in the cave of our heart when the mind is purified. So that's the thing which is being indicated in the seventh mantra. So see, here it's not only speaking of speaking of the ultimate realization, it is speaking of the practice. So the eighth mantra is what it says, na chakshusha grihate, na pivacha, na anyai devai, tapasa karmanava, jnana prasada. Jnana prasadina, vishuddha sattva, tata tupashyate, nishkalam dhyayamana. You cannot see that ultimate self with the eyes, nor you can speak it off, speak of it with your tongue. Na anyai devai. Devai here means other senses. The, the senses in Sanskrit is called deva. It, deva means celestial beings. It also means the senses. Why? The word deva came from divdhatu, which means to illumine. So the celestial beings are illumined. They as if illumine, they, they illuminate light from their subtle body. So that's why they are called Deva. The same thing the Indriyas are doing for us. It is through our eyes the world is getting illuminated in the form of 
what I see. My ears are illuminating the sound. My skin is illuminating the touch. My tongue is illuminating the taste. My nose is illuminating the smell. So they are all illuminating. So that's why the Indriyas are called Deva. So neither any of these five senses can reveal that self. Neither it can be revealed by tapas or karma. How tapas and karma may integrate my life, but they cannot make me realize the self. What's the only criteria for realization of the self? Jnana prasada. Prasada means tranquility. Jnana means the buddhi. When your buddhi becomes tranquil, when Vishuddha Sattva is residing, is the only thing prevailing in your mind. The word Vishuddha Sattva, in a simple way to understand what is Vishuddha Sattva, Sattva means equanimity. Rajas means activity. Tamas means slothness, inertia, laziness. When you sit for meditation, constantly what we are struggling that when my mind is little calm, it goes to that state of slothness. I, I get, enter a state of stupor. I go to a sleep. That is tamas. And sometimes I find that I cannot control my mind. It is just running. So it is rajas. So it is my constant struggle with this rajas and tamas to keep it mind in that equanimity. When through the practice, it has so happened that rajas and tamas has fallen off. There is no more restlessness. At the same time, the mind is not going to that state of stupor. It is alert, but calm. It is alert, but calm. So that is the state of Vishuddha Svatva. That speaks of Jnana Prasada. Your buddhi has become tranquil. That is the only criteria to see the self, which is Nishkala, without parts. As very interesting, these words are so important. And sometimes the great spiritual leaders uh, interpret their meaning in a wonderful way. When someone in the West, it so happened Swami Vivekananda was delivering a lecture that you become one with Brahman when you realize the self. Someone from the audience was scared. She stood up and told, what happens to my individuality? Swamiji immediate reply was, you are not individuals yet. You become an individual when you realize that absolute truth. So we may find that what he's speaking of, is it something allegory? No, it's absolute truth. You just, we sometimes we use the word without knowing its meaning. The word individual, what it means? Individual, that which cannot be divided. Individual means to divide. Individual means that which cannot be divided. Everything as per my limited personality is concerned can be divided. I have so many different organs as per my physical body is concerned, limbs, as per my mind is concerned, so many thoughts. As per my vitality is concerned, so many different ways the vitality finds expressions, panchaprana. It's all having so many parts. The ultimate self is nishkala beyond any parts. So you get, you just see that, you get established that through that process of this meditation, dhyayamana. So meditation is the only way by which the mind becomes tranquil and the self is revealed. So, Esha nu atma cheta saveditavya yasmin prana panchadha sangvivesha pranai chittam sarvam otam prajanam yasmin vishuddhe bibhavati esha atma. 
So within this body where the vital forces have entered into five forms, we're speaking of this conglomeration, this pancha prana, where this subtle self, Asha Anu Atma, has to be realized within this body, which in which the five pranas are finding expression. It has to be realized how? Through that intellect, Chetasa, Bhedita by which is pervaded the entire mind. That it is the self which alone is making the mind look illumined. So it is the self which is pervading the entire mind. That self which is pervading the entire mind, that has to be realized. So when uh, in a uh, what you say the screen, the various moving pictures are projected, you cannot see the screen. You have to stop the projection of the pictures. Then the screen becomes palpably visible. The light can still pass through the projector, but as the reel is not moving, the light just illumines the screen. So that's the thing which has been spoken of here. That it is the self which is illuminating the screen, which is illuminating the mind. Why I don't realize it? Why, why the mind is breaking into various uh, this perceptions because the mind is constantly active, breaking into thoughts. Stop that. The screen becomes visible, palpably visible. You easily understand that the projector is being illumined by the light. So that's the thing which is indicated by the word Sarvam Otam Prajana. That then you realize the self is illuminating the mind. And then how it is possible? That's the thing. That's Yasmin Vishuddhe Vivati Vivavati Eshatma. So just remove the thoughts, stop the reels to move in front of the projector. Then you can palpably realize it is the self which is illuminating your mind. And once that is realized, you have realized the self, you have gone beyond the so-called all the projections. And that's being spoken of in the ninth mantra. The tenth mantra is the eulogy, the last mantra. And it has, this tenth mantra has something to do with the first mantra of the next chapter, of the next chapter. So we will, as today we have taken a lot of time, we will take this tenth mantra. We have almost uh, had a synopsis of the first chapter of the third part of Mundaka Upanishad. In the next class, we will start the last chapter, the concluding chapter of Mundaka Upanishad. And to, to, to uh, have a sense of continuation, we will take up the 10th mantra of this, the last mantra of this chapter. And then we will find out the continuation in the next mantra, the first mantra of the last chapter. So we will take up the 10th mantra uh, to study the, uh, to, uh, as an introduction of the last chapter of the Mundaka Upanishad. The 10th mantra will be an introduction to that. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.